0: Today we're going to discuss a topic uh, concerning or regarding the the devil, Satan. Um, I've never teached on this topic how I believe about this. In, in this sense, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to probably be busy for the next three Sundays on this topic, three to four Sundays, because there's a couple of things I want to I want to talk about regarding this, Satan. I want to talk about where he comes from, what he does, because a lot of us has got a maybe a different understanding of what the devil is and how he functions. We might, the people that comes out of the reformed churches has got a different way of looking at the devil and the people that's in the, in the more uh, Pentecostal uh, churches has got a different way of looking at the, at the enemy. And what the enemy can do, they differ. And what we believe about the enemy is very different when we don't realize it sometimes Um, most of us don't even realize there is a difference between those churches doctrines but i want to touch on some of the stuff that we might believe and i'm not saying what you believe is wrong i want to give you a different perspective to look at at things all right so when we three weeks ago when we had the the weekend away i told a couple of things i made a point about certain things and i said i'm going to elaborate on that so that's what i want to do now Um, But like i said i haven't spoken much on this topic sometimes people will say to me this and this and this and i would just say yes i don't go into that topic i don't discuss that topic all right or the or the what i believe in that topic so i will just let them say what they believe and that's fine it's not the place always to 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 tell somebody no i don't believe that way or this is wrong or whatever i don't believe that's the way the best way to tell somebody what is there is to use the bible the word and to teach on the topic so that people can get the full understanding out of the Bible. Not out of my perspective of what I believe and why I believe it. So, I believe we as, 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 as Christians, as believers in Christ, we need to know who, this, who Satan is. So that we can start speaking in a way that shows who you are in Christ. Because a lot of us speak in a way who we are in the enemy. There's a difference. A lot of people focus so much in their, in their speaking and the way they speak outside, that it looks like their father is the enemy, more than their father is the Lord. They have more things in common with what the enemy is doing than what the Lord is doing. And that's mostly because we sometimes have wrong ways of looking at things. So... I said it on the, on the weekend way I said, the enemy is your problem, not the Lord's. He's got no problem with the enemy, he's already defeated him. He's your problem. So how do you deal with this problem then? And the word tells us how to deal with this. So remember the enemy the the, uh, the Lord is not at a place where when the enemy does something, the Lord goes, Oh, I never thought of that. Now the enemy's come and he did this, A, B, and C. Now I never thought of that. The Lord doesn't get phased by this. We get we get rattled, we get upset, we want to run away. Sometimes we, we're in such a bad place where we even want to commit suicide want to run away because we don't know who we are and we don't know who the enemy is. Because if I have to draw you a picture of the enemy and I want to show you what you run away, you will laugh of how he looks according to the word, how insignificant he is according to the word. And you want to run away from that. But because you believe something in that thing that this might not so biblical. Um, A lot of churches, have this thing every Sunday. And it's not, I don't want to point fingers, I just want to show you how we do things that's maybe not that biblical. Where they would bind the devil every Sunday. Some of you might have been in those churches. I've been in there. And I did that. I binded the devil a lot of times on the Sunday. But some, somehow in the week he got loose. I don't know how. Because next Sunday we have to bind him again. And we, we put chains on him and we throw him in the the depth of the sea and we have all these things we pray but next Sunday we have to do it again because he's somehow somebody opened the gates and loosened the chains and he's on his way to come and destroy you again. Does that make sense? And I know the verses they use for that doctrine but is that what it's actually saying? So every time we pray we bind the devil and then maybe your faith is not good enough and then he gets loosened again. And then he can do whatever he wants until we bind him again. Then he can stay for a Sunday he's bound. Maybe till the Monday 5 o'clock. Then he gets loose again. And then he can do his thing again. That's what we pray. Come I was there. I prayed that. Don't look so holy now. Some of you also prayed that. I did that. And it wasn't wrong in the sense that what we wanted to do. But maybe it was not that biblical in the way we did it. And a lot of things that we do these days is it comes from the right place but not the right understanding if I can put it that way. Alright, so, let's start. Colossians 2, 14, 15. Plotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. So he's talking about sin and stuff that you and I are carrying. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them, openly triumphing over them in it. I want to start with this, because this you must remember the whole time I'm going through these teachings, is this verse. Next translation, I've given you two more translations, so you can understand what it's saying there. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities, so he disarmed. Think of it practically, if there was a war now and you disarm somebody, have they got weapons? No. Rulers and authorities, and put them to open shame openly, open shame by triumphing over them in him. This one explains it in detail if you still don't get it. It is in the Passion Translation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. That word there. made a public spectacle Of all powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse to accuse us. So what did I teach you in the Facebook camp? What's the Greek and the Hebrew word for all? It's still all. It's everything. There's not everything but except this little thing here. All means all. doesn't matter which language you go to. All right. It says, From them, every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. I've explained it to some of you before, but if I can give you those that don't know, back in the day, in the last 2,000 years when we still had massive wars in the old days, with the Crusades and stuff, when one kingdom fought another kingdom, and the one kingdom would win, what they did is, it was the practice of the day, they would go and capture that king that, was just, that just lost the battle. They will not kill him on the field of battle. They will mostly go capture that king bring him by horse, behind a horse. They would tie his hands, and a guy would ride on a horse, and he would have to walk with him. So the king that, that lost would walk like that, and they would strip him of all his clothes. He would walk naked. And they would take him into the city of the king that won. So he would have to walk naked, behind a horse, being pulled by a horse, through a city that's having a party. They are celebrating the victory, and they will throw rotten fruit anything they can get that's bad at this king and he will be publicly escorted through the city you can see some of the movies you've seen this because that's the way they did it they will escort him to a certain place and then they will behead him but he first need to be publicly shamed that's what happened at the cross it says in your bible that's what jesus did to the satan he publicly shamed him that's something big to realize He didn't enjoy that, the enemy. Everybody that witnessed it, the whole spiritual realm witnessed this. The demons witnessed this. The angels witnessed this. What happened? What Jesus did at the cross with the enemy, with Satan. I mean, it says there, Jesus led them around as prisoners. That's an image that you see. That's why they use that, because that was the practice of the day. In the procession of triumph. So the enemy were walking in the spiritual realm, naked, stripped of all his authority, people laughing at him and throwing stuff at him. That's what the cross did to the enemy. That makes you you think, doesn't it? Of how you believe in the enemy. And this happened 2,000 years ago, on the day of the cross. So, let's talk about this. 1 John 3, 8-9 He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. So, when does the devil sin? From the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. That's an important one to realize manifested. That he might destroy the works of the devil. So, it's saying there, the devil sinned from the beginning. No, he only started sinning when he was praising and worshipping with the Lord. Huh? How many of you know that, that doctrine? He was a singing angel. You all know that doctrine. And then he sinned and then... We'll still talk about that in the next sessions, what happened. But here it says... Malan, who say you, From Funny beginning He sinned from the beginning. That already throws a span in some of your belief systems. Is what the Bible says there. For that purpose, because of him sinning from the beginning, it says here, the Son of God was manifested. Manifested means made visible. So that you can see it. There's people that saw it. So the Son of God, Jesus, had to be manifested. Why? Because this Satan has sinned from the beginning. That he might destroy the works of the devil. So why was Jesus manifested? To destroy the works of the devil. And he did that at the cross. Perfectly. He made a public shame of him. He came to whatever he was made to manifest, to to show people, he did that. It says there in your Bible. John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. That's why I say sometimes we worship the wrong father, because Satan is also called the devil father. The Bible also mentions him as a father for some people. There's two fathers, the devil and God. We choose which one we serve. But it says that he's a liar. So from the beginning, the devil sinned. And from the beginning, it says he's a liar. Not after a while or somewhere, somehow we started this or that. It's from the beginning. And I know some of you did not believe it that way. I also in the beginning didn't believe it that way. Because I was taught something else. So, if you want to know if someone is following the wrong father, if you want to look at people, and you want to see if they have, which father are they following, they will walk in love, like a child, or they will walk in sin and lies. That's the father they're pursuing, engaging with. So. It's easy to spot somebody who, whose voice are they listening to that's speaking into their heart. So I read to you there, for this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest to destroy these, these works of the devil. these sin and the lies and stuff. So if we look at uh, 1 John 3 verse 9, it says, Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Oh, this is a controversial verse. <laughs> People struggle with this verse. Okay, let's look at it this way. For whosoever is born of God do not commit sin. For he's, that he must be a capital letter, he. he, he his seed remaineth in him, also capital letter, um, and he cannot sin because he, and let's just do it that way, stupid. He is born of God. Alright? Now think. Read it again. Whosoever is born of God do not commit sin. For he sinned. I said on the, on the weekend when we went away, I said when Adam sinned in the garden of Eden. When the sin came in garden of Eden the battle began for the seed. Remember I said that? In the Garden of Eden, when man sinned, the war started for one thing, for the seed. Throughout your whole Bible, we read about the seed that's going to come. And he says here, For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Okay? Think of it this way. Have you sinned since you got saved? Huh. So have I. We all have. But here we read, we also cannot sin. But this is weird now, huh? What does that mean if we cannot sin, but we still do sin? We'll talk about that. But who's lying here according to that scripture? God or the devil? Remember who's a liar? The Bible says you cannot sin. The Bible says there's only one liar and he's called the devil. Here God says you cannot sin. So who, who are you going to believe? Which, which, which daddy are you going to believe? The one you were taught maybe a certain way or what the Bible is saying? You've got to choose. I can't make you choose. Remember what I said? You're going to believe whatever you want to believe. It doesn't matter what I say. It's up to you to go see what is the truth to make up for what you're going to believe one day. I cannot make somebody believe something different. You must change your heart to what you believe to change it. Or stick with your old ways. It's your choice. I can just show you what the word is saying and you've got to go decide. You cannot make, I said this also three weeks ago, you cannot make a choice out of what you believe if you haven't seen both sides of the coin. But most, 99% of Christians believe in something, they only heard one side of the coin. They never went and looked at the other side. They don't even have a clue about the other side. But they believe in this one thing. That goes with anything in the Bible be very careful whatever you believe make sure you know the other side I was taught a coin, a mint has three sides your side the other side and Jesus is in the middle so don't believe what you think is the truth and stick to it because you don't know what's even on the other side and you don't even have his truth in it the Thing think it's always got three sides not like you think two sides he's in the middle alright now, this is the one that's going to either offend people or going to set them free or whatever the case may be. But this verse is an important verse. 1 Peter 1.18 You must know, recognize, that you were redeemed, ransomed from the useless, fruitless way of living, inherited by tradition from your forefathers, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold. Okay, this is a mouthful. Did you hear what I just read there? You must know, recognize that you were redeemed from your useless, fruitless ways. So something happened when you got saved. Living inherited by traditions from your forefathers. Not with corruptible things such as silver and gold. This is out of the Amplify. I just use that because it gives a bit of more meat what the words are meaning but you can read it in translation this thing if you understand this verse it nullifies the belief of the forefathers sin that will follow you hear what I'm saying of course a lot of us believe it I believed it in the beginning I also believed it because I knew the charismatic teaching about that but this verse says the different. it says there you were redeemed, ransomed, from your useless ways, living inherited by tradition. How did you, you inherit this from tradition of your fathers? Not with corruptible things such as silver and gold. So it's saying that you have got no, can't have sins of your forefathers. It cannot be in you anymore. It was redeemed. Let me prove it for you, if you still struggle, I'm going to read the next verse. Remember, we must know what the whole thing is saying. Verse 19 But you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that of a a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. It's saying there, you were purchased by the precious blood of Christ, like a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. Is it true that He was chosen and foreordained, this destined and foreknown for it, before the foundation of the world, but He was brought out to public view, made manifest, there is that word again, in these last days, at the end of the times, for the sake of you? When was Jesus made manifest? Who knows? Just think about it for a second. Might have never thought of it. When was Jesus made manifest? We'll read it just now. Think about it. So what did we read? What was Jesus made manifest for? To re- remove your forefathers' bloodlines. It's one of the things. The sin and the lie. So he, just, he comes, when he was made manifest, what he did in that manifestation of his manifest, he came to take away, like that verse said, all your forefathers' stuff. So that you can go and go into a new genealogy. Christ. You become family of Him. His blood is now the blood that's in you. Not your forefathers anymore. You see, your genealogy changed when that happened. Why do you think Satanists want Christian blood? Huh? Yeah, they, they believe, Satanists believe, our DNA and our blood even changes when we become a Christian. That's why they want Christian blood. But sometimes we still stuck on with our forefathers' stuff. That's what Satanists believe about Christians. And we as Christians don't even believe that. Or realize that. How many times did I explain that to you guys way back? That's why if you go for tattoos, watch out who's the guy doing the tattoo. Because it might be after your blood. Because they sell that. For a lot of money if they know it's a Christian's blood. And they will do anything on that needle, to get you to fall in sin but yeah, that's a totally different teaching on its own that's how the demonic works and you think, oh I've got a nice tattoo you don't know what they did with that tattoo who's the guy that tattooed you? who's his father? who's his daddy? because if he knows you're a Christian and he's not he's going to do something because we Christians are not strong enough to stand because we don't know this stuff but it takes away your old blood bloodline, and He gives you Christ's bloodline. If you understand that, it's amazing. It takes away a lot of stuff that you thought immediately. So as you're sitting here and you're born again, Christ's blood is running through your veins. Now, nothing you did, He did it. He took away all your forefathers' sins. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18 And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. See, he says it. You will be a father if you follow him. And you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. You become part of his family. You're now his son and his daughter. You're not an orphan anymore. You're his son and his daughter now. Because of the blood of the Lamb. It's funny, we all know that verse of the blood of the Lamb, but we don't realize truly what does it mean. What does it actually mean for you in your walk? I said, yeah, we have nothing to do with where we come from. We are supposed to be born again. That's where that terminology comes from. You must be born again. You need to change your genealogy. You need to go be born in this new family, in this new blood. But most of us still functions from everything of the past, where we come from. And the old liver was crap the old the When you get born again, it's gone. You are born again, new. When that baby Lily, when she was born, did she have any sin with her? No. Did she know about sin? No. Did she think to sin? No. That's how you look when you get born again in the spirit. That's why a baby is used as that terminology. 1 Peter 123. this is with Nicodemus. You all saw, what's it, um, Chosen? And you all get that picture where Nicodemus, that nice but where Nicodemus sit there on the, on the stoop and he talks to Jesus. So let's read here. Through him you believe in, adhere to, rely on God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him honor and glory so that your faith and hope are centered and rested in him. So it says there, your faith and hope Leen nie in die rapport in Marula Media, en hy goed nie nie. Het lees in God. Je hoop leen nie die aan die nie. Het lees in God. Nee? Oh, die is even want to talk politics. But they don't know God. Since by your obedience to the truth, through the Holy Spirit. Listen, you to your, hoe lees ons die Bijbel? Woord vir woord. Nie sin vir sin. Ja, mis hier 90% waar daar staan word for word when we read it, it since your obedience to the to the truth through the holy spirit see where you get your obedience and the truth through from the holy spirit you have purified your heart for the sincere affection of the brethren so that you love one another fervently from a pure heart who makes your heart pure that one there the holy spirit so, verse 23. You have been regenerated, born again, not from a mortal origin, seed, sperm, but from one that is immortal, by the ever-living and lasting Word of God, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which live and abideth in ye. What did I read earlier? The seed cannot sin. Sin. Remember when I made a capital letters. The seed cannot sin. The seed is incorruptible. If that seed's in you, you actually cannot sin. But you do still sin. There's a difference between the two. But I want you to to, to ask you this question, to think about what do you believe about sin? Are you still a sinner, struggling here on the earth? Or do you have the incorruptible seed in you? which cannot sin. Which one do you have? Which one do you believe you have? Because what you believe you become. I would say 80 to 90% of Christians act and speak as if they're still struggling on the earth and the enemy is out for them. It's funny. That's the way they speak. I don't hear people talking like this, saying what these verses are saying outside. There's only a few of them there so what is your foundation from what do you believe and that what you believe out of that you will speak you will people will hear how you think the way you speak but we need to know we do not function from our natural life our spiritual life we mustn't function and think in our spiritual life out of the natural we think out of the seed in our spiritual life so you don't look at COVID and what in the media is saying to determine who you are now, how you feel, and what's going on in the world, and all that. No, you you function out of the seed. We are in this world, but we're not from this world. You function from the seed, from Christ, and all this stuff is still happening. But it doesn't affect you negatively, even though it's extremely negative and bad and what is going on. But it doesn't affect you. But most of us concentrate on those things, not Christ, but we're in that seed, in that genealogy. So we are acting out of this negative way, looking at all the bad things. There's enough bad things can, that can keep you busy the whole day. Go on YouTube. It will keep you busy the whole day if you want to look at all the negative stuff going on in the world. Must I get jabbed? Must I not get jabbed? Eh? And then ask who's Christ and they can't answer me. But they know, like I said, they know all the, everything that's in the COVID jab. They can tell you in detail what's in the COVID jab. they ask what's who's in Christ and they can't answer me but they know what's in COVID. See how we miss it? Because our focus is on the negative. We're listening to the wrong dad. We're not listening to the one that, that's got the seed. The seed cannot sin. So if we follow these things of the forefathers, then we're actually acting directly against the seed, which is Christ. So if you thought that, now you just, all you need to do is to change your mind. I also thought wrongly. It's not negative to think of it wrongly. Just now you've got the choice to reset your mind and think differently and walk in that now. Because you need to be teachable, the Bible said. So I thought a lot of stuff wrong and I had to change it over the years. Thanks to the Holy Spirit's obedience and His his patience with me. But we read, when the Son was manifested, He destroyed the works of the devil. So think about it. It says there, he destroyed the works of the devil. So my question should be to you is, when are you going to start destroying the works of the devil? Because you're supposed to do it now. He's not here anymore. He's given you the the helper to do that. I showed you in the beginning, he took away all his power and authority. So who's the one that has got to stand against the devil now? You. But we run away. We're so scared of the enemy. If we cast out a demon, the church runs out of the, out of the building. Huh? Aren't you supposed to say, let's get rid of this thing? Huh? We, we believe so wrongly. I mean, we physically see that a church empties itself very quickly when a demon manifests in a church building. I'm not saying it's all the churches, but I mean, I've seen it. for somebody when you look up the church is empty so i mean i'm saying this i'm making a joke about it. But guys we we need to realize these these things are out there but we don't know what to do with it because we believe wrongly i'm not interested in what the enemy is doing in your life i'm interested in what christ is doing in your life that shows me where you are not what the enemy is doing rather make a study of the of, of jesus and of the enemy I hope you understand this, this, with this doctrine that we believe um, in this thing. I mean, we we go to these seminars. I don't know, some of you might have went to some of them. Where they they attack the bloodlines. And you pray over the bloodlines. And they minister you through long teachings about bloodlines. And to get you purified. And to get your sin removed of the forefathers. And they take you through all these. For three weeks you sit and you go through these things. And you do that because you believe wrongly. If you get born again, you have a different seed, your old stuff is gone. If you believe it, you don't have to go sit for three weeks in a training session to get rid of bloodlines. I don't want to go in detail what they do in those sessions because it might offend people. But hey, really, if you go into those sessions, what they sit in, they go into detail with. Looking at every little sin of your forefathers, what they did, how they did it, or how it affected you. I mean, if something is wrong, who can change that wrong to a right? You. You don't need me to pray for you to do that with anything. You've got the ability to change a bad thing to a good thing. But what do you believe? What are you standing in? That's the problem. Now, let's look at Jesus. So, I've given you a thing to look at. Now, I want to bring Jesus into that thing so you can see it. All right, who he is. Acts 10:36. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. John 1:11 says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. That was, he's speaking about Israel here. Okay. Verse 37, that word, so I'm focusing on this. That word I say you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism of which John preached. you so are talking about John the Baptist here. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went out doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was within him. That word, the word, word, <coughs> can you see it speaking about Jesus? Do you get that? I don't want to go into too much detail to explain that. You can do it if you want to, don't believe me, go look at it. You can read 1, one John, the word came, the word was manifested, you all know that. Or go read it. But I want you to see when they went out, what was the first thing they did, Jesus did? Healing all that were oppressed by the devil. Oppressed. All. He's saying all the people that came through were oppressed by the devil. You were also oppressed by the devil before you got born again. All of you. Your sins you were in. What did he keep you busy with? <coughs> what was the sin that kept you in the darkness, in bondage? You were all. All of you. Alright. Oppressed. Now we get people that struggle with this thing. Um, they don't understand it fully. When are you oppressed and when are you possessed? We get a lot of people that, that struggle to understand it. And the only reason you struggle to understand what's the difference between oppressed and possessed is because you haven't walked that out yet. You're not doing that. You're not praying for people. Because if you pray for people, you would very easily know what is when somebody's op- uh, possessed or when they're oppressed. A Oppressed is, there's from outside influence causing you to sin. Very easy. As hy wat sê, dan klik ons He, luister ons Of vat, ding in die winkel. maar as jy gaan hy gaan niks hom te you listen to that sin. So you listen to this outside influence, Before you got born again, before you got born again, you were also oppressed by the Holy Spirit. Do you realize that? He was talking from the outside, telling you, follow Christ. Turn away from the sin. Stop doing the sin. From the outside, He was speaking, into your life to change. You were oppressed by the Holy Spirit too. Because no one can stay in here unless you choose you to get that. No one can stay in this home unless you choose who stays in here. So they both speak from the outside in to see who you're going to allow in here. That's why they do that. Because they both are from the same realm, the spiritual realm. There's good and evil in the spiritual realm. But when do you get possessed? When you continue sinning and that sin becomes part of you. Then that oppression that was there comes and he makes his home inside of you and you become possessed. When you get possessed with the Holy Spirit, when you choose to follow Jesus Christ and you want the Holy Spirit and he comes and he stays inside of you. And then you're possessed with the Holy Spirit which we are supposed to be with. So now he can speak from the inside out. Whether it's a Holy Spirit or a demonic spirit. A spirit will come stay inside of you. If there's a place for them to come and stay here. I want you to get it so easy to understand this. The Bible also explains it to you this, but we we don't read it that way. So who chose the Holy Spirit to come in you? You. Who chose the demon to come in you? You. Because you are in that sin. Sometimes it's hurt that you're not dealing with. You got hurt, and that hurt manifests in a way that it becomes darkness inside of you because you're not dealing with that sin. And the enemy will come in. Because you're not supposed to walk in that. Why do you think the Bible keeps on saying, don't walk in fear, don't walk in fear, don't walk in fear? Because if you walk in fear, the enemy will come in because you allow, you, you're acting against what the word is saying. So you get the difference between the two. If you think somebody is just oppressed, the guy that I was taught Bible school, I know when we spoke, I said to him, Who Wim measures by the moon and tears down Allah. And he said to me, back in his days, he's now like 80-something. Back in his days, there was demons in people in his church, but not that many. But there were. And I said, to him, but now it's like 80% of the church is demonized. What's going on? And we sat and we spoke about it. And we came to the point that we realized that over the years, the sin, the, the, the way we walk in sin... It became so normal now, which wasn't back then, and that's why we find the demonic everywhere now. If you think the demonic is only in some people, man, you're missing it. There in a lot of people, in a lot of Christians, because the Christians are still walking in their sin that caused that thing to come in. If you are a Christian and you were in porn and you get saved, if you don't deal with that thing, that demon's going to stay with you if you still watch porn. Because you allowed him in back then, unless you tell him this is now over, he's still going to have a, a nice time with you, and he's staying inside of you. All right, I'm talking too long on this point, but I hope it makes people understand. Most people these days are possessed. If you don't believe me, come walk with me. And let me pray for a couple of people, and you will quickly realize. Oh, it's not. The thing that I must learn is the thing I must walk in and then you will see. Go lay your hands on people and pray for them. Christians, you will see they're full of demons. Because why? They're still in their sins. They don't want to walk. They're not fully committed to Christ yet. Right. So this word, Jesus, came also to destroy the works of the devil. We said that in the beginning. So, if I sin today, because I still sin, What do I do? What must you do if you sin today? Because, the Bible said, the seeds in you, the incorruptible seeds in you. So you should not sin but you still sin. So what do I do if I sin? I simply go and say Father, forgive me I did this thing. I know it's not what you want. I'm sorry help me not to do this thing again. I do it out of the heart. I get up and I don't let that thing accuse me anymore. Because I know the seeds in me That's all you need to do to know who you are. To say sorry if your child does something wrong, if they say sorry and you see it comes from the heart, you forgive them like that. That sin you don't keep that sin to them if it comes from here. But if he does it then he just says, "I cannot do your duty," you know it's not from here. You're gonna you're gonna act on that, huh? So, but if we do it from here, it's forgiven. But we, we, we want to crucify Christ every time we sin, and we don't understand that he was only crucified once. I must move. Mark 16, verse 15, uh, 14. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven and say that, uh, that sat at the meat, and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So he's talking to these guys, and they are... Uh, they're not believing what he said. He said I was going to be risen on the third day. And he, they haven't seen him yet. So they're not happy now. Alright. And he said unto them. Go here into the world. And preach a gospel to every creature. He that believeth in the baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Okay. Just. Kom a Kijk wat He that believe and is baptized shall be saved. Baptized. Baptized plays a role in your salvation. It helps you through stuff to get rid of your sin. But it says there, but he that believe not shall be damned. It doesn't say he that believe not and is not baptized. Baptism is not the exclusive thing to save you, please. Jesus is the exclusive thing to save you. Baptism plays a huge role in your walk as a believer to get rid of the sin. But that doesn't save you, just baptism if you were baptized or not baptized. Jesus saves you, not your baptism. It doesn't say that anywhere in the world. But get baptized, please, because your sin will be removed from you if you do that. But that's not what it's talking about here. We, we believe wrongly in that stuff. But we need to stop the works of the devil. And so what is he saying here verse 17? And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Oh, this is not the oppressed ones now. These are the possessed ones now. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. I want you to see a pattern here in the Bible. Signs and wonders will follow if you preach the word. It's a pattern in the Bible. Whenever the word is preached, signs and wonders will follow. Luke 10 19. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on the serpents and the scorpions and all and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Yella, you, if you understand this and you live this, all, you have power over all of the enemy. Not God, not Jesus, you. Why? Because he lives in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you know who's staying inside of you, the power that he was ordained, he got, I read it earlier, is now in you, so now you have power over the enemy because of him in you. You personally, as person, Malan, he's got no power. Those that have seen demonic, if I van and I have to face a demon, I don't stand a chance. He will throw me like a, a rag around. But if I stand there, and I know I'm standing in Christ, then I can fight this devil. Those that know, I'm just just going to share this with a new one to make it real for you. When I was in India, you remember, I spoke about the one evening when I went and fell asleep. Immediately I was caught up in the spirit and a demon stood in front of me. He was like two stories tall, two to three stories tall. A huge Indian demon stood in front of me in the spirit. And he picked me up in his hand and I was like that, that size in his hand when he picked me up. And he squeezed me. And it felt like every rip, I could feel every rip wanting to break in my body. Every bone wanting to shatter in my body as he's squeezing me. And I was afraid for a second. Because it actually hurts. You you can feel it if you're in the spirit, if you don't know that. You can still feel because your body's still active. And this thing was squeezing me. And I was for a moment going, how can he do this? This is sore. I'm I'm getting hurt. He's going to kill me. And the next moment I realized Christ is in me. And I said to him, you cannot hurt me. And as he he took me and he threw me against the wall. And I could feel the impact. It's not like I'm breaking my back now, that type of thing. But you feel the impact when you hit the wall. And he picked me up again and he threw me up against another wall. And I said to him, in Jesus' name, you can't do this to me. And when I said that, he stepped back and he couldn't touch me anymore. And I woke out of this thing. And as I woke out of this thing, this thing was still in the room. And I told it, you may go now. You have no say in this because he wanted to get us to stop what we're doing. If you want to know how India works, they've got a demon in every city and they've got a statue of that demon in every street as you go in and out of the city. A Two to three story statue of their demon. Their God that's over that city. Each city's got a different one. But the point I want to make here is not I couldn't, when I was in the flesh, thinking in the flesh that thing threw me around and I got hurt. But the moment I stood up and who I am he couldn't touch me. He was testing to see if I know who I am. It's funny that happened with Adam in the garden too. And with Jesus in the desert. The same thing happened. To see if you know who you are. Romans 10. 10, 1019. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. So I'm going to read this again. Listen clearly to what it's saying. For the creation waits with eager longing. So the whole of creation... That means the trees, the birds, the animals, mankind, are waiting eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. So something needs to happen because it's waiting for that. Who's these sons of God? It's those that love Him. It's the bride. He's talking about maturity. That son doesn't mean male or female, it speaks about spiritual, maturity. So the whole of creation is waiting for some people to be so mature that the enemy, sin, and everything he stands for is gone. But it's still waiting. It hasn't happened yet. Because this was written after the cross. But the cross came to bring everything in in place for us to do. That's one of the reasons for the cross. I mean, we are not manifested yet. I believe we will be manifested on the day of the Lord. i are going to get a new body and all that. I don't want to go into that now. But we have authority in which we stand now. Do you use that authority? Do you use it? Or do you allow the enemy to, to abuse you? Because you have authority. And as I see it in the Bible, we must use what we are given we are supposed to use what we are given if we truly understand who the Lord is and what he came to do it will be way easier for you to put the enemy where he needs to be under your feet it's going to be way easier for you but we struggle with this why? like I always say you don't know your Bible you don't know what's written in that thing where's the Bible? we don't know what's in here we heard a couple of teachings and we believe it. We haven't even looked at the other side of the coin and we believe people but we don't read it ourselves. We don't study it ourselves to see what is truly written in here. You've received wrong teachings about this stuff and that's why you believe in it. How do we act today when it comes to the enemy? I cut my finger. Oh, the devil. Where's my wife? She cut her finger the other day very badly. Now what, and she knows she wasn't going to say that. But what do we do if we cut our finger? We're cutting the vegetables and you cut your finger. Oh, the devil is very really lustig in here. No, nee, snake my nee, snake die See the devil, nee? Is You the nee? Don't hold the tomato like that and then cut there. I hold the tomato like that and I cut like that. My fingers are not anywhere close. I have a lot of people who have passed but say But we these days, we used to say, oh nee, the lister. I lost my work, my job. Oh, the enemy. Man, the enemy. No, it's not the enemy. It's probably not the enemy. It's actually more God. But let's keep it with the enemy now. I'm talking about the enemy. Yeah. But why? Because you should not be in that job because the Lord never took, told you to go work there. You chose to go work there. Now you are got to see a photmark, but Ishmael Khurtmach, or was any Ishmael Abraham's firstborn. Ishmael can cause a lot of problems. Huh? You have to raise him. If you if you birthed him. Not God. Mom, late for work. Oh, I'm gonna be late for work. You get at work, you tell the colleagues, man. I'm sorry I'm late. The devil was in our house this morning, busy. No, you slept late. That's why you're late. It's not the devil. Do you see how we give the devil all these things that's not biblical? We're actually still actually functioning in our culture. Because that's the thing that comes from our forefathers that we're saying. Which is not evil. It's just not biblical. To say things like that. This week when my wife cut her finger. Remember last time I said Lily choked on something very badly. Then my wife cuts her finger badly on a tile, so she wasn't cutting vegetables, so she was cleaning the house and she cut it on a tile. But what's the third thing? Lily fell yeah, from that stairs. <laughs> she fell up and my wife said, now that's the third thing, so now it's over, all the, the negative stuff. And as she said it I thought, wait a minute, why do we think that? Because that's a normal saying that most of us have, eh? it happens in threes. You all have said that. Where does that come from, that saying come from? It happens in threes, the bad stuff. Because if I read this Bible, the only time things happen in threes is God, not the enemy. Does it work Two, three weeks on that phase two weekend? We spoke about the stuff in here that happens in threes. This whole book happens in threes. Everything in this book that depicts God happens in threes. How many days did he die was he in the grave? Three days. I'm not going to go through all this stuff. You should know it by now, but there's so many things that happens in threes in this book, because it shows God, but we've given that to the enemy also. When something happens in threes, we say, if the third one happened, then we're safe again. See what we believe? I did that also. But when she said it this week, that thing hit me right between the eyes. and I thought, man, this is wrong. But we're saying, we must stop saying that. God happens in threes. I know the enemy's also got threes. He's copying, but, yeah. But if you understand this and you apply this, your Christian life will be way better. You will stop blaming the wrong person, start blaming the correct one. Who's the one that needs to be blamed when this stuff happens? You. Me. When I worked with the youth, you've heard me say this so many times before, when I was still working with the youth, I always had this saying, the enemy, the devil, is not a problem when I work with the youth. Who's the problem when I work with the youth? The mothers and fathers. Because they've got so many beliefs and things they believe, and I, this one believes this, and this one believes that, and then this one comes and tells me, no, I believe it this way, da-da-da-da, and this one comes and tells me, no, I believe it this way, da 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 Not any of it is even in the Bible sometimes. I have to fight the parents to get the kids out of sin instead of the enemy. It's funny, the enemy never came to attack me, the parents come to attack me. And the parents believe differently. Then you quickly realize, we are more a problem than the enemy because of what we believe. I have bigger issues with, with parents Believing in things, then, because this parent is in the Reformed Church, this one is in the the Hebrew Church, this one is in the Catholic Church, this one is in the Pentecost Church, and they all got different beliefs. If you don't know it, they all believe differently out of the Bible. That's why they've got different churches. And they each come and try and tell you, okay, now you're wrong, we believe this or whatever. Go look at both sides of the coin before you do that. You're just going to assume something. So, I'm going to finish. 1 Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the word, received up in glory. So, great... Is the mystery So this is a mystery Of godliness What is this mystery? God was manifested in the flesh What does that mean? Jesus He came in the flesh So this was a mystery up to here How did they get rid of this mystery? How was it removed as a mystery? God was manifested in the flesh Justified in the spirit Seen of angels Preached unto the Gentiles Believed on the world received up to glory. So he was manifested in the flesh. When did that happen? Two thousand years ago. Alright? Luke two forty uh, Luke 24 to 21. I'm not gonna finish with this, but I'm gonna read you because you need to understand you're not gonna remember this. So just bear with me. But let your bow don't need no and you And Joseph also went up to Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Okay? Hy is nog nie getrouwd nie. Hy is op pad om te trouw. He? Ons praat oor verhoudings hierso. En hy het nog nie by al geslap nie. Staan hy het nog nie by al geslap nie, nee, want hy was nog nie getrouwd nie. Hy was ook in die verhouding nie. Hy was op pad om te trouw nou. Hey, hy het mekaar ontmoet en hy gaan nou trouw she was no song was a problem. And so it was that while they were there the, the days were accomplished that she should be should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling and clothed and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Akadilla last week died in Fidala like how it looked like, but was the inn in a manger back there. He actually slept in a in a feeding trough. Of animals. Not that nice Sunday little manger that we in church used to see with a nice hay. It was a feeding trough in which he slept. It's where they fed the animals. Everybody stayed in the houses and the animals was in the middle. And that's where the animals stayed and they fed them there. That's why Jesus laid in the feeding trough. So they just put some hay in there so, because there was no place. Because so we have a wrong understanding of where he slept. We think it's a little nice little shack here on the side. Yeah, a nice and cozy shack, and they went in there and slept there. That is not the case. It's where all the animals stayed, and they, they, they were given food there for the night, for shelter. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came up upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good th- tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I love that. Bring you good tidings and great joy. Doesn't say bring you darkness and the powers of the enemy. It says totally different. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. They're proclaiming it. They came to the earth because he's going to be manifested in the flesh we just read. And they did a declaration, this angel. He says Christ the Lord is being birthed. And this shall be the sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, good will towards men. Do you see what Jesus is bringing? Every time I read it, this gets me actually emotional because this is so beautiful. If you see what's happening here, what's happening in the spirit here. It's not that little Sunday thing we did in Sunday school. You know, it's so beautiful to see what's going on here. Verse 15 And it came to pass. As the angels were gone away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass. This thing that has come to pass. Because it happened on this day. They want to see it. Which the Lord has made known unto us. So this angel just told them this thing. They want to see it. Alright? Yes. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they heard, had seen it, so they wanted. They just said they want to see it, now they've seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. So they were telling Joseph and Mary what the angel told them here. So they're sharing it. Because the angel didn't appear to Mary and Joseph to say peace on earth and all that. They are telling them now this. The shepherds. And all they had heard, it wanted, wondered, and those things which were told by them by the shepherds. So they were pondering this. It even says in the next verse, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary kept this. She heard all the stuff that was saying about her son and she kept it here. So she kept it here. I think we men sometimes are more the ones that are easy to say something instead of keeping it sometimes here, than instead of here. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Okay, I said I was going to finish. I want to just color this in for you. Here I've got this verse. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. This was told by two, Mary. He was going to save them from their sins, and he was called Jesus. Verse 25, we're still in the same thing. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was Just and devout. Look how he's functioning. Just and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Most people were not filled with the Holy Ghost then yet. eh? It's happened after the cross. This was before the cross. So he had the Holy Spirit on him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So this old man was working at the temple and the Holy Spirit was upon him like it was not upon anybody else. And the Holy Spirit said to him, you will not die until you see the Christ, the Savior. So he's been living this for we don't know how long, waiting for this to happen because he can't die yet. And I think when you get here in the 90s, they got quite old. I think at some stage you rather want to go. And he's waiting for this to happen, but it can't because he's got to wait for this. It was told to him by the Spirit. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. So, and he came, this is so beautiful, and he came by the Spirit. So who told him to do this? The Holy Spirit. That's how we must walk. Walk with his guidance into the temple. So on that day, the Holy Spirit told him, go to the temple. And he went. And when, he's, when the parents brought in this child, Jesus, to do for him after the custom of the law. The custom of the law? What happened on the eighth day with the Jewish boy? They got circumcised. Alright? So they were following the law of, of the Jews here. Alright? Israel. Um, then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now didst thou letst thou thy servant depart in peace. So he's telling the Lord, can I please go now? I want to die, this old man, according to thy word, because you said I will not die until I see the Christ. Now he's saying, can I please go now? Why? For my eyes have seen thy salvation. You see what he's saying here? Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. So, eight days, I want to, let's make it practical. Eight days passed and he was named Jesus by Simeon. That was what he had to come and do, to name Jesus. And God allowed a man that was just and devout to do this. Not anybody. Somebody filled with the Holy Spirit to do that to his son. All right? And he says, my eyes have seen salvation in a human being, in flesh. And it came to pass in that day, I said, when the angels declare it. So, great is the mystery, I want to bring it together. Great is the mystery of Godliness. God was revealed in flesh. This day is born a Savior. The angel said that. Eight days later, Simeon stands there and he says, Christ, I see him. He's manifested in flesh. I can die now. Do you see that how beautiful that walked? How the story goes. I want to ask you again. When was he manifested? This day when he was born. He was already made manifest and he walked his manifestation out to the cross. But on the day Jesus was born, he was made manifest. God in flesh that cannot sin because of the seed. That seed after the cross came in you and me when we get born again. If we have that seed in us when we are born again, we can stamp on the scorpions and the snakes and they cannot touch us. They can lie to us. So you must remember, when you hear that little voice, from the outside speaking to you inwards, because you're born again and clean and there comes this voice with something to fear something to do that's wrong you are in a business and something tells you hey we can make more money if we do it this way it's not that legal but let's do it this way whose daddy are you listening to? so if you are standing in that place in the seed you hear this voice you immediately would actually recognize who's the daddy speaking to you and what can you do to that voice? Say, depart from me. Because I've been born by the blood of the Lamb. You've got no right over me anymore. I was born again. I've changed. My bloodline has changed. I'm not of your blood anymore. Walk away. That sin you are tempting me with, it's washed by the blood of the Lamb. And if you start walking in that, man, you will see things will happen differently in your life. But if you walk in, the enemy's attacking me, the enemy's out for me, I've got my forefather's stuff in me. You're going to blame them the whole time. And you're going to change anything on yourself. Have you noticed every person when they do something wrong, what do they want to do? They want to blame somebody or something. Stop there. That. That's not biblical. It's you most probably that causing that problem. It's not your forefathers. You must stop doing that sin now. Don't blame your forefathers. But we love blaming somebody else so that we can look good. No, the Bible says, you are made good by the blood of Christ. Walk in that, that's dealt with. The blood washed it away when you got born again. That's why we need to get born again. That's why you, the born again action makes you part of the new blood covenant. Christ. That you can also stand like Simeon and says, I know my salvation lies in. It's Christ. Now I can die. That's what he's actually saying for you, me there. I can see him here in the flesh. You must see him in the spirit now. And say, I've seen salvation. I've seen the Lord. I can die now. It's not a problem anymore. Because I've seen him. Not the works of the enemy. Next week I'm going to continue with this topic. I'm going to show you the Old Testament where the prophecies were made regarding this that's going to happen. And how to step into this power of stepping on on the snake's head. Because if you get the revelation of what we are because of Christ, it will be way easier to step on the enemy. And not that you run away from the enemy. Alright. But I've just touched on one topic today bloodline. And this is a very big thing in the body that they're fighting about. But if you get the revelation of Christ, it will immediately show you there cannot be any problems with my bloodline anymore because I'm born again in a new bloodline. That thing's, he took care of it. Just like when they walked through the Red Sea, the Israelites. Who took care of the old Israel, uh, the Egyptians wanting to kill them? God. He washed them away. He got rid of it. That's what happens with you. He will take care of that old stuff that your forefathers did. It's not going to affect you anymore because of the blood. That you just stepped in the new family you're walking into. Alright? And like I said, I'm going to next week talk about the Old Testament to show you how this all works and the enemy to show you who the enemy is because most Christians don't know that. Why he was placed on the earth? Most Christians don't know that. So we can get an understanding of how insignificant the enemy is and how we can glorify the Lord and who he is because that's where the focus is, is not on the enemy. We don't teach on the enemy, we teach on Jesus Christ. We don't go through a three-week seminar to teach you about bloodlines and devils and demon names and how they work and all that. We talk and teach Jesus. Paul said we only teach Christ and him risen. Paul didn't say, let's go and do a study on devils and demons. Like I said, walk with me and I'll show you they're real. You just don't believe in them because you haven't seen them maybe yet. Because you haven't walked with somebody that prays and you can see them manifest. But Paul didn't say that. Paul said, we teach Christ and Him risen. But we need to know what's wrong so that we can walk in that. Paul understood it. That's why he didn't worry about it but some of the disciples still didn't understand that that's why he had to mention some of this stuff but now, with just what I said today, you can already start walking this week differently because the enemy is going to come for you he doesn't say he's dead he just says his power was taken away alright, he's not dead that's going to happen on the day of the Lord, that he's going to be taken away, he's still here But you determine what you do with what he does. That sounded deeper than it was in my head. (laughs) But you determine what you do with that. If he speaks to you. Are you going to give him power? Because his power was taken away. So how can the enemy get power now? Through you. How can the Holy Spirit work his power? Through you. Who chooses that? You. Whether it's a demon or the Holy Spirit. If you want to see His power, are you are going to allow it or not? How am I going to see if you work with the demons? You will be a liar. And you will be full of sin. How will I see if you listening to the Holy Spirit? You will function like a little child out of love. Huge difference between the two. So let's get to that place where we realize who we are in Christ so that we can step on the servants and they don't. Threaten us. They don't cause us to, to get rattled when things happen. Huh? If something happens in our country, we don't run away, we don't fight, we go to the Lord and ask Him, What? What now, Lord? We don't go up in arms or we want to fight and all that stuff. It's not in your Bible that stuff. Nowhere did the Lord say, Pick up the bows and get the swords and let's go. The Romans are waiting. All right. Let us be the ones that's manifesting that light because he manifested himself 2000 years ago. Now it's up to you and me. All right.